0: And from the border of liberty and prosperity and the highway to the north. This is Safety Wars for Monday, March 13th, 2023. We got a lot going on here. How's your weekend? We're bracing for this nor'easter up here in on the northeast, which is often where nor'easters happen. But anyway... I mean, they're really hyping this in snow snowpocalypse, All right? Let's see. what What's in uh, here? Here you go. Let's see. NJ.com. What do they have to say? New Jersey declares a state of emergency in five counties, expecting most snow in the nor'easter storm. It will go out. Oh, it just went into effect at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. At the same time, a commercial vehicle ban begins on multiple highways in New Jersey. Latest Northeaster calls for up to 8 to 12 inches of snow and high winds in New Jersey. All right, let's see this. com. Let's see what they say. Boom, boom, boom. Let's see. TikTok videos threaten kids. How did Carmen- Oh, I got a story on that. Oh, do I have a story on that. A storm could dump four to 12 inches of snow in areas of Orange, Putnam, and Dutchess counties, as much as a foot or even more in Sullivan and Ulster counties. Hey, they did. Northern Westchester for Northern Rocker- Rockland County could see snow as well, though less. All right. so what is it? In uh, New Jersey, four to 12? Right, South of us, north of us, up to a foot, 4 to 12. But the, well, we're going to have nothing? Maybe they should coordinate things a little bit better out there, right? So, uh, this is funny. A couple of years ago, we hired a company to do snow removal in our driveway. Right, I was having uh, some back issues, and I could not shovel snow. So, about two days later, we see a uh, commercial... <laughs> right advertisement on uh, lowhud.com and what do you know it's those guys plowing snow in our driveway right on um, the ad advertisement yeah, yeah, people are always trying to take advantage of you so this weekend right uh i'm cleaning out my mother's house right my father passed away my brother and i are, uh, you know, sorting through things and looking at things. And I find this old newspaper clipping. It's from about 1961. Sewer gas kills sanitation man. Chaos for others, right? Whatever that is. Uh, It was cut off. Again, I didn't have, I was born in 1970, 1960, 61. One department of public works employee was fatally overcome, and four others knocked out at 3 p.m. yesterday, while they were checking for new for New Queen Sear, for an accumulation of gas in New Queensore. Masked firemen went in and hauled them to safety. Then police and fire teams worked over uh, foreman John Rooney, 30, until 6:15 p.m. when he was pronounced dead. Rooney lived at 109 Delaware Avenue, Donkis Hill, Staten Island. The other four were revived and taken to St. John's Hospital for treatment. Six rescuing firemen also were hospitalized temporarily. The sanitation men, members of a 10-man crew, were assigned uh, to check the uncompleted un- Bowery Bay sewer after a contractor's employee had been overcome the previous day underground near 43rd Avenue. Right, so after the day before, near 34th Avenue and Vernon Boulevard, Long Island City. They covered many blocks without incident until they came to the final checkpoint, where the contractor's man had been overcome. There, Rooney and Louis Fator of 120 9th, 134th Street, Ozone Park, descended 30 feet, donned masks, and entered the four and a half foot wide sewer. They left a number of other men at various levels as a precaution. When Rooney and Fathers were silent, for when Rooney and Fator were silent for number for an undue time, the man nearest to the entry, Stephen Marino, of 1422 Green Avenue, Brooklyn, went in to investigate and was overcome. Henry Sirius Joseph Ma, Ma, Messina, Frank Marino, followed with and shared his fate. Nicholas Mirable, forty four of it looks like fifty two Irving Avenue in Brooklyn, started to follow but met Fedora stumbling out. They dragged out Marino and had the alarm sounded. All the workers were soon revived except Rooney. Now you may say, Why am I mentioning this? All right. Uh John Rooney, thirty, was my mother's cousin. So she saved this. We had always heard of this and family war, right, Uh, and how it impacted the family, it was not uh, very good, all right, Uh, as a result of this accident, some, no, and the family unable to deal with it, uh, uh, no, I I don't want to say that they were estranged, but we did not, uh, uh, my mother did not really keep up with them after this incident, so it really impacted uh, her relationships on that side of the family, let alone uh, the man's family was devastated by this horrible, horrible thing, and I imagine that even today uh, they are suffering from this whole uh, situation. My mother once uh, is, still gets teary-eyed with this. So, uh, what's what can we learn here? All right, this is how these things were managed, right now. There was a uh, fatality up in a number of years ago in, uh, I'm looking this up, Uh, Tarrytown, New York, in 2010, right, doing the same thing. How do you like that? All right. And there was a uh, a story today on New York State fatalities. Might have been over the weekend. Uh, In 2021, I got here a little bit late. So this was uh, from over the weekend. Right. In 2021, one year after the construction pause, the fatality rate in New York City was 11.2 per 1,000 workers. This is a 60% increase from 2020, which was seven deaths per 100,000 workers. Looking at uh, pre-pandemic levels in 2019, the fatality rate was 11.6 per 100,000 workers and 24 people lost their lives at work. All right. So in uh, as a result... In 2022, Governor Hochul signed the Carlos's law. Right. Which increases penalty for construction companies responsible for the death of and or injury of workers. The law takes its name from Carlos Monteo, a 22-year-old Ecuadorian worker who died in 2015 on the job at a Manhattan construction site. Okay, so. In 2010, in Tarrytown, New York, two men suffocated in a manhole. Right, Tarrytown was issued four violations of state safety laws. Must uh, repair them, meaning the space here, uh, at a risk of $200 a day fines. So uh, they allowed uh, Tarrytown allowed the people to enter uh, dangerous confined spaces without proper training and equipment. The state Department of Labor said Friday two violations were classified as willful this is from 2010 management was aware of the situation did nothing to prevent it and it was uh, and, uh i won't mention the names uh but right uh, but two the uh people one of them was uh, a volunteer firefighter who were killed by poisonous gas on labor Day and this is down, one it was down a 20-foot manhole to clear a blocked sewer pipe. And the other person, uh, the volunteer firefighter, went down to rescue him and he, too, collapsed. The other man had tested the air or worn a breathing mask, as safety protocols were have required, Department of Labor reports says. So my question is this. We have, uh, uh, basically, according to my mother, the, my cousin's family got a lot of money, off of this uh, situation. My understanding is that the, uh, the, the, no, uh, the fire, and according to this, now the fire department's training was improper, Either in the firefighters who eventually brought up the dead men from up the manhole did not wear their masks properly or use right procedures. According to news reports at the time. All right. So we have Carlos's law, right? which, criminalizes, uh, and the company gets criminalized for this, uh, for uh, putting people, now we talked about it, people's uh, lives uh, at, no, at risk, where it's either a misdemeanor up to a felony conviction for the company, not the individual, with fines ranging from 300000 capped at a million. Okay, so that's against private industry. But here I just gave you two instances Separated by fifty years, roughly fifty. Those are all government workers, right? I pointed out during our uh, COVID broadcasts on the podcast, or is podcasts, how basically uh, the uh, the. Uh, uh, Hold on. This just came across. Hold on. Hold on. Okay, this wasn't it. Uh, A friend of the program, his son uh, was murdered last year uh, around the holiday time, and... Uh today there was a uh, murderer who escaped a uh courthouse in Oregon. And I'm just seeing if this is the same guy that came like right across my ticker here on the screen. Sorry everybody, I got distracted. So uh do do do. Anyway, uh let me Google this right. And all right no this wasn't the guy all right so I was just thinking if it was my friends uh so they're separated by 50 years these things I'm sorry for the distraction there and my question is this now back in the day pre-osha days we did not have uh you know uh anything in no in there right then in 1984 it was in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, there is a famous toluene tank that blew up. And it turns out I heard a podcast a couple years ago that the details that we were shared that were shared uh, on that on that fatality investigation and that fatality were not exactly accurate. Uh, so we've been using this in training for many years. Turns out that a lot of the details were not accurate in that uh, thing, at least according to fire uh, fighters that survived it. And the man's family, who was killed, uh, one of the men's family who were killed. All right, so we mentioned sovereign immunity. Sovereign immunity is a problem. I have, I have uh, a question that if uh, states. Well, actually, uh, hat now OSHA does not really apply to public workers, right? Workers for government, they have their own system. In, in many states, some states they have no system. That everything is very piecemeal. So, should sovereign immunity be removed or rescinded with worker fatalities, catastrophic losses, environmental uh, catastrophes? That's a question because there really is no other enforcement mechanism here so two men died they get a two they get threatened with a $200 fine in town I don't know how it turned out uh, they had a, uh, a lawsuit with my cousin's case back in 1960 61 whatever year that was I don't have a date on that exactly uh, what now what's going on here with this? That's a, that's a good question. Uh, that, that's a question we need to ask, and I'm going to continue to ask this. if Because right now, uh, the government is exempt from a lot of things, right? And it's causing a lot of angst in our society. Not with worker fatalities, but in other areas. Now, what are the limits? I think that needs to be a debate that we need to, need to start to have here with this. Am I, do I think we should go after certain uh, law enforcement or emergency responders? No, because they're dealing with stuff that they can't control. answer, okay, but what about the other stuff? This wasn't uh, an emergency, either one of these two. Something to think about here. Something that needs some debate. I might be completely wrong on this, and I accept that. All right, I, as was pointed out by a couple of people. So let's talk about confined spaces. So... Quote, unquote, recently, all right, Uh, confined spaces were regulated. Uh, Well, I believe it was August 2015. Uh, I just closed that, that window. All right. So here's the overview here, right, with this. All right. So OSHA, we knew that, the danger is the permit required confined spaces going way, way back, especially in the mining industry. That was one of the original uh, confined spaces, I guess. Where uh, I went on a tour of the Sterling uh, mine, the Sterling zinc mine in northern New Jersey. I believe it was in Ogdensburg, New Jersey, with the Cub Scouts. Uh, it was a really good tour. And had I took great interest in the air monitoring equipment in there. So, for example, how did they measure whether you had an explosive atmosphere back in the day? Right? They had the little headlamps with a a flame in there. That's how they used to do it at this facility. When the flame got bigger, they were in an explosive atmosphere. If it went out, they were in an oxygen-deficient atmosphere. Right? And if it went poof, then you know that you're in a confined space. And I'm not making a joke there. Right? Remember, 1960, with my cousin's case, did they really have air monitoring equipment? It was very basic and, uh, you know, and everything else. 1984, when that toluene explosion happened, I think that was one of the things that finally caused OSHA to issue the 1993-1910-146 uh, standard under General Industry for Permit-Required Confined Spaces. And FPA had already had some standards in place. And uh, we still, a lot of facilities, I'm working a project right now where the NFPA 350 standard for uh, confined space enter- entry is uh, followed. So what is a permit required confined space? Right? So you have to have a confined space. What is a confined space? Right? Uh, confined space is simple. It is, let me make sure I have the right wording here. So, a confined space that has limited or restricted means of entry is not designed for continuous human occupancy and is large enough and configured so that a person can enter the space and maneuver well enough to perform tasks. It's the OSHA definition. Now, what is a permit-required confined space? A permit-required confined space has some other hazard. It could be a hazardous atmosphere, potentially. It could have a material which can engulf an entrant and may contain walls that converge inward or floors that slope downward and taper into a smaller area. It may contain another serious physical hazard or other hazard, such as pardon me, I got the hiccups again. It may contain. I always got the hiccups after dinner. It may contain other serious physical hazards, such as unguarded machines or exposed live wires and must be identified by the employer who must inform exposed employees. I'm reading off the OSHA quick card here on this. All right, so that being said, uh, in 2015 and after much uh, fanfare and much debate, OSHA released the 1926-1200 under uh, the uh, construction standard. On permit required confined spaces, and the definition is the same, but there are some marked differences with them. Uh, you know, for the worker, it really doesn't. For the worker, it really does not uh, impact them so much. But if you're a manager, I would encourage you to go through and read the whole thing. Uh, with that, or better yet, give us a call, 845-269-5772, or drop me a line at jim at safetywords.com and we will talk about confined spaces. Right, And OSHA also has in place, under the 1915 standards for shipyards, uh, a, they call it permit, and uh, they call it a... Uh, confined and closed space and those are managed a lot differently you get a marine chemist normally involved and a, per, a competent person uh, with that so in construction you have a competent person and you have some other roles in there like host employer but as always you have to define where you are at first so how do you know whether you're in general industry or construction you have to uh, go and look up what the definition of a construction work is. So let's see. OSHA definition construction work. Right. What's, what is it? I'm reading right out of here. It's in 1910.12. All right. OSHA defines construction work. Right. And this is in 1910 12 1926.32. All right. Construction. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Construction work is hold on. Construction work means construction work means construction alteration and/or repair, including painting and decorating. They further provide that OSHA's construction industry a, a standard applies to every employment and place of employment. This is from a letter of interpretation. From nineteen ninety four, uh, for of every employee in gillage in construction work, right? So that so if you're doing any any of that, that is construction work. So let's say that you are in an office, and your office still is allowed to have like holiday parties, and because a lot of places they're not allowed to have holiday parties. I've been there. Or seasonal type celebrations, and you're a regular office worker. Regular office workers, general industry, 1910 regulations. Boss tells you, hey, can you go up and put up some balloons, maybe some streamers, maybe a Christmas tree? Oh, I said something wrong. Christmas tree. Not allowed to say that anymore. Christmas tree. And, uh, something else, or something like that, maybe uh, some Hanukkah decorations, maybe you're celebrating Ramadan. Oh, oh, I'm not allowed to say any of that religious stuff. And you say, hey, uh, we're putting all of that up, and now all of a sudden you're decorating. Now you're a construction worker according to OSHA. That means you have a lot of different things. Let's say that uh, you hire a... College, a high school kid, right? You hire a high school kid for painting. You're going to have him or her paint a uh, office for you. That seems like a good job. I mean, we had guys all over uh, Woodbridge, New Jersey, where I spoke to our former governor, Jim McGreevy, over the weekend at the, uh, at the St. Patrick's Day Parade. Uh, trying to get him on the show. But anyway, uh, he... Uh, now we were in there, you no know, a lot of people did painting work. Good. you figure okay, well, some of all painting businesses are doing and there. Well, you know that in a lot of places that's constric- considered construction and it's against the law for under 18 year old person to do that type of work because it's construction work according to this regulation. Ooh, didn't know that? Yeah. Learn it. So did do. So now you have to figure out construction or general industry. And they are different in how they are uh, managed by the uh, by the workers. All right. Uh, by the, uh, not the workers, by the management. So I have a nine-page checklist. So you can call us out. Now, how are they managed in a uh, shipyard? Shipyards have certified gas-free spaces in their vessels. So a Marine chemist has to go in there and this is by the book or a certified industrial hygienist goes in there, takes air sampling readings and gives you a certificate of gas free. stuff. and there's a whole big long procedures they got to go in. If I had to do all over again, I would have been a Marine chemist. It is one of the careers I would have had, but it's a specific uh, area of the safety world. And, then uh, you're able to do different hot work in there. Uh, do uh, no uh, doesn't no doesn't preclude you from air monitoring or anything else. But and uh, the certificate of uh, 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 gas free the gas free certificate may include procedures like hey you have to do air monitoring and uh, things of that nature, oxygen deprivation uh, stuff like that. And, and no could have different restrictions on it. And that's how that's handled. Uh, with that so just because you had that uh certificate does not mean that you're out of the woods with that and that's often how it's generally uh generally uh uh, uh managed right in a shipyard so how do you know whether you're in a shipyard that should be obvious right on there osha right uh, is there now Here's another question. How do you know whether a shipyard is a marina or is a shipyard? I called up on this one, and this is what I was told. And it depends on what kind of work you're doing. It depends. Mm. So where a lot of companies get into problem is, is problems is that they're doing construction work on the buildings uh, in the shipyard, or they're uh, putting in new docks or piers or equipment and things of that nature. That is not That is not uh, 1915 shipyard work. That is not 1917 or 1918, what the uh, long-shoring or marine terminals were. That is construction work, all right? Now, what OSHA will do, right, uh, and it depends on what you're doing. So, for example, you're going to change a light bulb on a boat in a marina. That's not shipyard work. If you're going out and you're doing major repairs, you're replacing engines, doing structural work to the hull, uh, uh, and things of that nature on a ship, however, we define that, then it's a shipyard. So there is a line to be drawn on there. Uh, with that, and uh, give us a call 845 269 if you want to find out more. We do have uh, you could set up an appointment with me and we could discuss it. Oh, no, discuss it not on the air, but we could discuss it. So, getting back to confined spaces, here we have a press release from OSHA uh, news release region. Seven. This is in a agriculture facility. A 34-year-old worker's attempt to clean out a Roseland grain silo in preparation for fall harvest turned tragic on September 12, 2022, when corn engulfed and asphyxiated him. An investigation by OSHA... Uh, and I won't mention the uh, name of the company, found the employer disregarded federal reg- regulations designed to prevent such tragedies and found the worker's PPE was not adequate for protection from engulfment hazards. The worker died on site. OSHA also determined the company failed to equip the employee with an adequate body harness and lifeline so that coworkers could have used to rescue him. Inspectors discovered the company kept a retractable Lifeline tripod on site, a device not designed for side entry into grain, and had no adequate alternative method available to protect workers in silos. The dangers of working inside grain bins are well-known, and safety standards have been in place for decades. Despite our continued outreach and enforcement activity in this highly hazardous industry, we continue to see preventable fatalities." Uh, I will mention the name of the company should know that safety standards and proper training. This is according to OSHA area director, Matthew Thurlby. I guess that's how you uh, pronounce it. Thurlby in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, the company should know that safety and I'm omitting the name that safety standards and proper training for and equipment can make the difference between life and death. Expediency should never put, uh, put, uh, be put ahead of worker safety. OSHA issued 16 citations, two willful and 14 serious for allowing workers to enter bins with grain buildup and for failing to develop procedures for entering permit requiring confined spaces, Uh, proposed uh, penalties of $531,268. And the company is put into the severe violence, violator enforcement program. So, Let's see what these are. Do they tell us what they are? Oh yeah, they have it right here. So this happened in September, right? And we're six. Now well, we're seven months out of there. So I don't know when the closing conference was on here or anything. Do do do. All right. Uh, we're scrolling on down. Do do do. Okay. I I want to point out something. We're ahead of everybody else on a lot of this stuff, right? I don't mean the late night uh, talk shows, but I mean uh, last week and the week uh, uh, before, uh, we were talking. We talked about hats, and then three or four days later, it ends up on the news. So we're ahead of the curve here on a lot of this stuff. Nineteen. Now, what they cited them under. Even though this is agriculture, I my, arguably agriculture is a 1910-146. Now, in your in the area of York, Pennsylvania last year, uh, a whole like three people were killed in a confined space similar to the one where my uh, cousin was involved and in, where people went in after them and were overcome, my cousin being the only one who passed away. Uh, but essentially the uh, but essentially the uh, what happened here? Uh, let's say you're in an agricultural environment, if you the first question OSHA is going to ask is this, are these family members or are these not family members? because they're family members, then they are not employees right uh, under a lot of circumstances, not all, but a lot of circumstances. And uh, in this case, uh, according to OSHA, this person was an employee. Uh, They cited them under the General Industry Confined Space Entry Standard. So uh, 29 CFR 1910 This was a serious item, citation 1, item 1, 1910, 146 The employer did not evaluate the workplace to determine if any spaces were permit required confined spaces. Redress to find what those were. So so did not evaluate it. uh, the, The did not, uh, an instance of failure includes, but it's not limited to employees entering the boot pit beneath bins 31, 32, and 33, and 34 to open gravity shoots. All right, so fine, $15,625. Must be abated by April 19th, 2023, which is, I believe, Hitler's birthday. The reason, uh, don't ask me why I know that. But anyway, the employer, 1910-146-C2, uh, the employer did not inform exposed employees by posting danger signs or by any other equally effective means of the existence, location of, and the danger posed by permit spaces. Honor of that, blah, 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 did not, uh, so, did not inform, did not have signs posted as to be evaded by March 29, 2023. Cyber violation serious, 1910-146-C4. They have to have a written plan. Did not, uh, uh, right, employees engaged in grain handling activities, uh, blah, 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 were exposed to potential atmospheric and mechanical hazards in that the employer requires employees to enter permits require confined spaces without having developed and implement a written program that complies with this section. Instances of failure include but are not limited to, right, Program fails to list permit required confined spaces. So I think that they had some kind of plan, but they did not have anything in here. Program fails to identify the personnel trained to conduct. The entries program fails to identify the personal authorized to reform the duties of as entrant program fails to identify the personal authorized to reform duties as the attendant program fails to identify the specific procedure and contact info for emergency rescue program fails to track permit required confined space entries conducted within the past year has to be evaded by March 29th to find $15,625. I, citation one item four, of violation serious under the permit required confined space program right employer did not identify and evaluate the hazards another fifteen thousand six hundred and twenty five dollars right didn't evaluate the hazards next one serious d3 146 d3 did not development did not develop and implement means procedures and practices necessary all right, fifteen thousand six hundred twenty-five. I'm looking right. These add up. A uh, next one, no equipment in D four. Do not use profit fifteen thousand six twenty-five. Next one, I know citation one item seven D eight. Do not designate uh, persons who have active roles in entry operations. That means your supervisor, your entrant, or the attendant. If this were construction, there would be other things that would have to be identified. Honor, right? Uh, blah, blah, blah. Instances of employer failure related to these entries include but are not limited to. Employer did not designate qualified personnel. Employees are not trained. 15,625. D9. The employer did not develop and implement procedures for summoning rescue and emergency services, for rescuing entrants from permit spaces, for providing necessary emergency service to rescued employees, and for preventing unauthorized entry. $15,625. Citation on item 9. Employer did not provide training to the workers. Right? Knowledge, skill, understanding knowledge or skill. Again, we could sit in a classroom or you could sit on the internet looking at a thing and, oh, you know, oh, wow, look at this. Blah, 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 And then they, that, you know, they may understand, they may have knowledge, but do they have the actual skills necessary for the safe performance of their duties? A the skill means that it has to be hand on, hands-on. Do they know how to put on? No, they didn't have harnesses. Do they know how to put on the harness? Now, you're going to say, Jimmy, don't be silly. Everybody knows how to put on a harness. Baloney. I had a style of harness back in the early days, 1995. It took everybody uh, about 20 minutes, 25 minutes to put the harness on because it was so damn confusing. They stopped making that harness, thank God. That's how confusing it was. Right? Didn't they know how to operate any retrieval equipment? No. Maybe if they knew how to operate it, they would have had one there. I realize that's the inappropriate thing. Another $15,000. Citation item 10, another $15,000. No attendant, right? The employer did not provide equipment for safe rescue operation. Another $15,625. The employer, right, nineteen ten two seventy two. Ooh. So let's look that. I'm not familiar with that one. 1910-272. This is what why the internet's a wonderful thing. I can fake it, but I ain't going to fake it. All right. So let's go look that up. 1910-272. Let's see what we got. Okay, we're going to go over to OSHA.gov. You go to general industry, the laws, and 272 is grain handling facilities. So that's why this is a general industry. I'm not familiar with grain handling facilities here. So it was 1910, 272, grain handling facilities. So this wasn't a farm. This was a grain handling facility. And... do do do. The employer acting in the, as an observer for bin, tank, or silo entry operations in the grain handling facility was not trained in rescue procedures. So not only in the grain, well, this is an important thing. Hey, we all learned something tonight. So grain operators, if you're dealing with a grain uh, facility, you have another set of com- of uh, confined space entry style uh Confined, confined space entry uh, stuff, potentially. So what's the scope of nineteen ten two seventy two? This section contains requirements for the control of grain dust fires and explosions and other certain safety hazards associated with grain handling facilities. and applies in addition to all other relevant positions, provisions of Part 1910 or 1917 at marine terminals. So we've learned something here. So this applies... uh, No, this is a vertical regulation here. Thoughts about hot work permits, entry in... Oh, here we go, 1910-272G, entry into grain storage structures. I'm going to have to include this in my permit requiring confined space class here. So that's pretty. Now, you're going to say, well, what if I'm not in a grain thing? Well, let's talk about this. You do have what is called the general duty clause, do you not? What does the general duty clause say? That you have to provide a safe and healthful workplace free of recognized hazards. So here we have 1910-272. Let's say you're not in a grain handling facility, but OSHA has a standard for that where you're handling grain. Could you be cited under that? Maybe. Perhaps. Didn't know that. So, uh, so you cited it under that. Uh, 1,500, 1,5625. There's a lot of 1,5625s here. Employees at the grain handling facility, again, G6. Uh, Employees uh, at the grain handling facility entered bin silos or tanks underneath a bridging condition or where a buildup of grain products on the side could fail by and bury them. Another 15,625. Uh, citation one, item 14, the employer did not implement procedures in the grain handling facility for the use in tags, lockout, tagout. Ooh, another $15,625. Okay, now we get into the biggie ones. Again, I look at the, I don't even read this because I want to see what this, I want you, you to get my pure reaction here. And if I kind of, right, what's this? An organic reaction. We're not like those other programs. I'm not a reader. I'm a reporter here of sorts. Even though legally I'm not a reporter in this state of New York. But anyway, we're working on it. Employees assigned special tasks such as bin entry and handling of flammable or toxic substances. This, is, uh, again, grain handling shall be provided training to perform these tasks safely. Uh, and this is willful, right? And they have a whole failure, right? Atmospheric hazards, engulfing hazards, depths. Entrant or attendant, right? Isolate, uh, lock on tag out type stuff. Uh, the bin entry permit, right? With that, $156,259 in proposed penalties. Holy guvna. All right, 1910-272-G2. This is another willful one. Uh the employer did not ensure that whenever employees enter grain storage structures from level at or above the level of the stored grain or grain products or whenever employees walked or stood on the blah, 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 were equipped with a body harness or Bozen's chair. I never understood why it spelled both swains and you had to say both Bozen's chair. I don't know. The lifeline shall be so positioned, blah, 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 blah. blah, blah. Another $156,000. So we add this all together for a grand total of 531,268 in proposed penalties. Now, let's remember, like I said at the beginning of the program, when I redid this for season three, uh, all of this, is, everyone's innocent until proven guilty, right? With this. And these things are litigated, vacated, and everything else involved. So that's an issue here with this. So... If you have any need for con- permit-required confined space training, give us a call. That's one of our most requested trainings that there is. As a matter of fact, uh, next Monday, I'm giving a full-day class on permit-required confined spaces in Bayonne, New Jersey. With that, and uh, we're also doing some field work with that in the very near future. The U.S., uh, the, here we go. Uh, the the. So, uh, there's a press release here. The U.S. Department of Labor today issued a final rule adopting as final final, the procedures and timeframes for handling employee retaliation complaints under the Taxpayer First Act. The Act protects employees who report or assist in an investigation regarding underpayment of taxes or potential violations of IRS laws or federal law relating to tax fraud. The act protects employees to assist in any action taken by the IRS relating to this issue. So this is along the lines of the whistleblower stuff. Uh, no, so OSHA. Ooh, how many? Uh, how many uh, things? Uh, something like twenty-one different areas of uh, whistleblowing goes through OSHA. This is another one. So, what is a retaliation? Right. Firing or laying off, lacklisting, demoting, denying overtime or promotion, disciplining, denying benefits, failing to hire or rehire, intimidation, reassignment affecting promotion prospects, reducing pay or hours, making threats. Complaints must be filed within 180 days, right? Of uh, the alleged retaliate, after the alleged retaliate action, that is, when the employee is notified of the action. So OSHA manages all those. Here we have, and I'll mention the name of it because this is pretty much, I think, common information at this point. Low-cost, high-risk, Dollar General, and and this is from the OSHA press release here from March 13, 2023. That is today. While it portrays its store chain as America's neighborhood general store, Dollar General Corporates and Dolan Corp., LLC, one of the nation's largest discount retailers, continues to expose workers to unsafe conditions, this time at four Florida and Georgia stores. OSHA inspected the stores in Ocala, Florida, Columbus, Georgia, and cataloged many of the same violations. Dollar General has, quote, refused to correct, end quote, at a source throughout the nation. Since 2017, OSHA has issued more than $15 million in fines and cited Dollar General and Dolgan Corp and more than 180 inspections nationwide for numerous willful repeat and serious workplace safety violations related to unsafe conditions. So, what are we looking at? Five repeat violations and proposed propose $710,974 in penalties. So, this is in. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. At close, you will find citations for violations of the OSHA, OSHA Act, which may have a company propose penalties. And it gives them, I think they already got a copy of this. Uh, employer rights and responsibilities following an OSHA inspection going on. So, what do we have? The repeat violations get very expensive here. Do do do. Citation 1 to item 1. Repeat serious. Exit routes blocked. $156,000. Type of violation. Repeat serious. $156,000. And this one was portable fire and signatures not mounted, located, and identified so that they were readily accessible without subjecting employees to injuries. All right, and that's $312,000 for one location. So let's go on back. All right, I think these are pretty much low-gravity responses, even though they can end in tragedy, right? Low-gravity types of violations. When they're going in there, this is extremely low-hanging fruit. I don't understand what the problem is. Uh, next one in Columbus, Georgia, repeat serious violation. Right, uh, the the right one hundred twenty-two thousand dollars. This one was for an exit route being blocked, apparently. Uh, another one, repeat serious. Secure storage storage of materials should not create a hazard. Right, with that stacking things improperly. That's two hundred and twenty-one thousand dollars in violations there and another one. This one was in the in uh we're scrolling down in Columbus, Georgia, right? Employment passageways, storerooms, and, and, walk- and, work- and service rooms and walking working surfaces have to be clean- kept in a clean, orderly, and sanitary condition, All right? $98,000. And well, that's one violation there. So my question is, I'm going to go back. Let's see who this is. This is going to Adam Zager, risk manager, Dollar General Corporation A one. Okay, and this is another one, same address. Another one, same address. So apparently, these are all company-owned stores. Now, my question is this: So what does this come down to? Here is, I, I, you know, I, I don't know what's going on here with this. Uh, Why this keeps happening. I think it's a very large company and they're having problems managing things. And uh, no, I wish them well on here. I don't think, uh, thank God, nobody got hurt uh, as far as we know with these types of things. But I could tell you, if someone gets hurt, they're going to have a problem. Big problem. So anyway, I think there's opportunity if you're a safety professional for this. So now we're at 52 minutes after the hour here, and I pretty much have run out of material here. I'll be honest with you guys. I just wanted to talk about uh, uh, confined spaces and some of these other stuff. Now, uh, there were big movements on the US EPA uh, today uh, on the environmental front with approved uh, o- uh, oil exploration in Alaska. All right. So this is from, uh, CBS CVS news. Hold on. Biden approved. I'm sorry. From USA today. Uh, story by Joey Garrison, uh, the Biden administration on Monday approved a controversial willow oil project clearing the way for one of the largest new oil and gas developments on federal land in Alaska, uh, in 20 years, despite fierce opposition from environmental activists. Uh, He did this. The reports was just fired here. What is this right before I break copyright laws? Let's see what this is. All right. So this is the story. The Biden administration has approved a massive new oil drilling project in Alaska over the objections of environmental Advocates, it came a day after the administration said it was blocking or limiting drilling elsewhere in the state. The government on Monday approved a scaled-down version of the so-called Willow Project, which means the energy firm ConocoPhillips, full disclosure here, I uh, did a lot of projects for ConocoPhillips over the years, can move ahead with its plans to drill on in the National Petroleum Reserve located on the state's north slope. The company says the project has the potential to reduce 180,000 barrels of oil a day. Uh, proponents have suggested lower oil prices eventually and uh, the uh, 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 environmental advocates called the proposal and those are what this report says a carbon bomb and argument could worsen climate change. We're going to have more about that in the next couple of days on here. So that's what's going on here uh, with all of this. Uh I hope everything's great. If you need health and safety oversight, uh, give us a call at 845-269-5772. And uh, we'll uh, know we can do business together. So uh, that's all I got for tonight. See you tomorrow night.